Welcome to the Orange Church Podcast. We are so happy you're joining us today, and wherever you are, we hope you leave feeling encouraged and confident that God is moving. Morning, church. So one of the things uh, that was really great uh, back in September of 2019, uh, when Melissa and I came here to talk with you guys um, there's a question that we, we had that question and answer time, and you guys shocked us um, in a very good way. Um, it came about the, the conversation about rest, and, and will we take that time and everything else, and I get a response that, yes, I'm, I'm going to be away, I'm going to take my vacation time, and you guys are all like, yes, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you, you, we haven't gotten here, and you already want us to leave, it's great. Um, <laughs> But I'm very thankful for, for you guys as the church that um, I know you guys take your vacations and uh, thank you for uh, letting us have a, a week last week just to kind of be at home and just relax a little bit and uh, get a little bit of rest. There's been a lot going on behind the scenes uh, with, with Orangewood that's been uh, had us kind of going all over the place and I just had a moment where I was like, I just need to stop before I just kind of go, oh, I need to stop. So I just took a week and just stayed at home. So thank you for that. It was great. Um, there's also some really cool things happening uh, in the midst of chaos. Um, Bethany's dad, if you hadn't heard, had a pretty major surgery, and he has come through it, and he's doing really well. He's recovering, and it's really good. And so we want to say thank you as a church. If you knew about that, to, uh, thank you for praying for him. Continue praying for him and, uh, and for Val as well, and that they continue to get used to life now in, in this new way of, of living and uh, as he recovers. And then also... Um, many of you guys probably heard that Sherry had a bit of a car accident on Thursday. If you hadn't, Sherry had a car accident on Thursday, and um, she's doing well now. She's back in a rehab facility, but she did break her leg, and uh, I think they had to put a rod in. Um, so she got be- uh, beat up pretty bad, but she's, in- she's Sherry. Like, y- you can't keep her down. Um, you guys know this, and like, she's... Yeah, it's Sherry, and... <laughs> She loves you guys, and, and her and Dale, thank you for the prayers and for the support that they've had already. So continue to reach out to them and see what you can do with them, or just continue praying for them, give them calls, check up on them, do what you can. Um, but, you know, Sherry, Sherry, and she's great, and she's already like, so here we go. Where's, what's next? And so um, it's good. We have been on a journey towards Pentecost. We got to the point of Easter, and, and uh, now we are going towards Pentecost, and what does that look like? And we've been talking about a number of different things, and today we're going to kind of maybe, it's going to feel like maybe like a reversal, but maybe coming back into some good stuff. Um, today, we are, are going to kind of start with talking about fear, fear in conjunction with worry, and those two aspects, fear and worry, how do we Take that fear and worry and balance that out and really live a life of faith. And, and does faith help us overcome fear? The short answer, yes. The short answer is yes. Um, but this is a bit of a tricky subject to navigate through because fear is under all sorts of different areas and scopes and, and, and lengths and strengths in our life. It can be, and I don't want to say like it's too simple, but it's almost like the fear of clowns. We, ever, we, we kind of joke about that in our society, like, oh, we don't like clowns or whatever. So like there's that almost like base level of like 
clouds, maybe a fear of water, fear of flying. I, I struggle with flying myself to maybe deeper fears of commitment because growing up, people have abandoned, uh, maybe they've abandoned you or um, just there's, there's so many different levels of fear. But the one thing I do know is that there's no one person on this earth that doesn't have some sort of fear. Someone comes up and says, I don't, I don't, I don't fear anything. Well, they're, they're, they're lying. They're, there's something there. The simple one, and this is our, our low-hanging fruit for, for this Sunday, is COVID-19. It's been a fear. In the last year and a half, there has been a huge shift of living life to sheltering in place, to figuring out how to come back into things, and it's all kind of geared around I don't want to catch something, and I don't want to have something to maybe inadvertently give it to someone else and have them potentially die. None of those things are inherently wrong. But think about how our focus, our, our way of living, our, our understanding of life has just shifted so drastically on the what if. A number of our people have needed to stay, step away from life because while the world's figuring out how to handle this, there's medical conditions that they needed to say, nope, I can't be a part of that, and great, awesome, step away from it. And that's where this gets really tricky. And I wanted to kind of hit on this one because it is tricky, it is, it is daunting, and there's a number of different feelings and understandings and mindsets that all go involved in this stuff and that I might be poking and pressing some buttons here today, and, and if so, um, let's talk about it later. I think it'd be great. Um, but on the very base level, last March, there was a level of fear that set in. I don't think we can deny that. Fear drives us to a number of different mindsets. It can take the most <laughs> rational person and turn them completely irrational. It can. Fear leads us to worry and worry leads to doubt. But the opposite of that, the, the, the incredible part, is that there are so many times in our Bible, the collections of writings that point us to who Jesus is, time after time after time, we read a very simple phrase. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. It's hard, though. Open, if you would, to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read a, a passage about worrying and what that looks like and maybe what we should do with it, but then we're also going to look at and see a little bit of the heart of God. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 22 through 34, we read this passage, and it's Jesus talking to the disciples. And here's what it says. Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom, storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying could add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you, what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes nor no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay. So for those of us in the church, it's been a fairly familiar passage. If you're new with us, this is uh, written by the author of Luke. And he's given us an account of Jesus to his disciples of how to view life. And I just said this a minute ago, but really, in all honesty, this passage is really easy to read, but really hard to live out. Because we deal with so much so much in our lives. Mortgage payments that have to be made while at the same time we have a job where layoffs are happening. We worry about that. We worry about kids have an incredible low-level worry that just kind of always simmers and sometimes it spikes. A few weeks ago right before service happened, Abram split his knee open and that poor kid, sorry buddy, you're going to grow up one day and go, I can't believe my parents made me do this. We should have taken him to the hospital, but he had to sit through service. Um, I had to preach, so he had, he had to sit there and wait, wait it out. Um, he gets stitches in his knee later that day, and uh, 10 days later, the stitches come out, and the next day after that, he hurts himself again, and we're back to the ER. Like, there's just this constant, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Yeah, laugh it up, chuckles. Like... <laughs> Wait till we get the ER bills and then, yeah. Kids bring a whole slew of worry into our lives. Medical appointments bring a whole slew of worries as we get blood results or we wait for the blood results or other tests to come back. And then all the while we read a passage like this and we want to sit back and say to Jesus, like, you want me not to worry? Do you understand what's going on and what I'm facing? But when we look at this passage, it starts off with that simple command, do not worry. What's interesting is that he takes that and he looks at life from an internal and external perspective. Don't worry about what's going in. Don't worry about what goes on the outside. God's going to take care of everything going in and everything going out. Everything we can think about, God gives us two examples of the raven and, and of the flowers, and he says, I've got you covered. What's really great is Jesus is pointing, a, pointing to us to realize that he's performing miracles on a daily basis in very simple ways right in front of us, and most of the times we don't even see it. He feeds nature and nature goes through their rhythms and their cycles. And for years, for thousands and millennia, 
They have been doing their thing. God has been taking care of nature. Feeding them. Sheltering. When it comes to the beauty of the landscape, God does it. I know it sounds cliche-ish in one sense to, to talk about and think about like sunrises and sunsets. But there is a different type of understanding when you can actually be in a spot where it's quiet around you and you can witness those things. Because it's not just about the sun coming up, but if you've ever been out in the morning when the sun comes up, you can hear nature waking up. You can hear life starting to happen again. And I don't ever want to be the guy that you know sounds like anti-technology. I use technology all the time. I think technology has a great place. But so often right now we are missing so much out of what's in front of us and what's above us because we're looking down below us. There's great things in technology, but there's so much greater things in life. And sometimes when we wonder where is God and we need to stop and just pause and just take a look out and we can see God and what's going around us. The great question we get in that passage is how much more valuable are you than the birds? Think about that. Jesus is telling the disciples, like, taking care of everything around you, how much more valuable are you than them, than the birds, than nature? And where do we get that from? Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that we are made in the, we are image bearers of God. Every single one of us. And, and that's like, when we realize that we have value, we come to the table with that value, we, and we, we realize that we are just, we're a part of it all. So all the little talks of like, I don't have a call, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I could be a part of something, that's all a false narrative of other voices in your life that didn't come from truth. Because the truth of the matter is, God sees you as incredibly valuable. And so when we start looking at our circumstances and fearing these things. How am I going to come about this? How am I going to get through this? How are we going to see this in a different way? How are we going to find joy in this? God, I don't understand. Sometimes we just need to sit and realize that we have value and God takes care of us. might not always look the way we want it to look, but God is going to take care of us. And the crux of this whole thing comes in verse 29 through 32. So let's go back to the passage for a second here. Sometimes we read this whole section here and we, we talk about that. Don't worry, don't, don't fear, don't do any of this. Why? Why should I not worry? Why should I not fear? Why should I not maybe be so concerned about my circumstances as I want to be? Well, here's what it says. This is Jesus talking. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. And here it is. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
the God that we say that we love and we say that we serve, when we start letting fear take over, when we start letting fear grab hold, we are forgetting about the fact that God has been pleased with us, pleased with us enough to give us basically the kingdom right now. To give us everything we need, to give us the things that we desire in, in, the, in the areas of what concerns him. So I'm going to take a jump back now. Go back into COVID-19 for a second. And it's really because I think it's really easy for us to relate to this because everyone has been affected by this in some way, shape, or form. We know that we need a way to fight against this. So doctors and scientists have been working nonstop to find a way to help eradicate or take this down so that we can live. Great. Awesome. Right? That's good. God works through his creation. God works through his people to bring about peace, restoration, and, and, and greatness. And so we have these shots going out in people that are helping to curb the massive spike of things. Awesome. It's huge. But at the same time, on the opposite end, that, as much as we praise that, and as much as we say this is really great that we can do this now, for the past year and a half, we have been surrounded with the concept of and the conversations of death is just around the corner. I know that sounds a bit on the extreme side, but really, like we, we allowed that kind of to happen in one sense because we stopped doing a lot. Again, for good reasons, for bad reasons, whatever you want to call it, we've allowed a lot of life to stop for fear of the possibility of death. And what I would say is John Piper, as I was reading some stuff this week, he notes out that death is not the right thing for believers to fear. Death is a transitionary point. If believers are going to fear anything, believers should fear where are they really going to spend the next moments after death? And if you can answer that question and still be in fear, then there's another conversation to be had. But if you can answer that question and say, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going to be, then the fear of death and the sting of death should start pulling away. Where do you belong? I'm not telling you to throw caution to the wind. Don't be concerned about what's going on. I don't want to be mistaken in that. But what I want us to kind of get around and come around to is we allow a lot of different voices into our life that take our focus away from Jesus. I've been there myself. I have these moments myself where I, where I go, what am I listening to? What's happening? Like, what's coming out of my mouth to the point of, I just need to stop. But God knows what we need. God's going to work through the people to bring peace and restoration and life. And our God is pleased with us so much that he's given us the kingdom, the people, the means, the methods, everything in order to advance kingdom and be a part of a great community of believers and, and take the truth that we know and bring it into a world of so much pain. The story of Pentecost is amazing. 
Because it's not just in that moment, like I've been saying, the story of Pentecost, there's a lead up of uncertainty and doubt and fear of the disciples, yet still in that moment of Pentecost, great things happened. The disciples were speaking all sorts of other languages and people are going, that's my language. How are they speaking that? That just doesn't happen. But the discipleship process shouldn't be about getting us just to know the Bible better. The discipleship process should be about gearing us up to be able to stand in the world when everything seems absolutely chaotic and crazy. And we can say, I have hope. Watch this. When the rest of the world is freaking out and scared, we can say, I'm going to help. I'm going to help take care of something. And that's going to come in a variety of different ways. Melissa and I were talking this morning, and she gave me a great example of them, which is really great to think of. As much love and as much compassion and, and grace there is with Jesus and, and, and the church, there is also a reality and an aspect of this that disciples, us as disciples, are we're, we're in a battle of principalities and everything and, and spiritual matters in this world. We can't deny those things. And when we come to Jesus, much like I did when and many of others who signed on the dotted line to join different branches of the military, you take a level of acceptance of risk. And for anyone signing the dotted line going into the military, you, you sign away the possibility that you might die for something incredible, for something you believe in. In these altar moments when we give our lives over to Jesus, as great as it is to feel that love and the compassion, we are also kind of giving ourselves in this moment of saying, and at the same time, Jesus, I understand the risk of what it's going to mean to follow you. That it means whether through a virus or through another country or going on some missionary trip or, or doing some inner city work or doing some other work in another part of the city or doing something with Jesus somewhere down the line, there's going to be risk involved. And at some point, it's potentially following Jesus could kill you. <laughs> that sounds a little strange to say, but there is martyrs, martyrdom is happening all around the world still to this day. People are following Jesus and their lives are being taken and rather than bowing down out of fear, they stand up and say, no, this is who I serve. How marvelous, how wonderful. Right? It's real easy to sing in here. But when we're faced with fear, can we still sing that song? When everything is telling us, don't do, don't do, don't do. Where do we sit back and say, but Jesus is calling me to do this. So the gut level question I want to ask this morning, and it was a gut level question for myself too, so don't, I'm not trying to sit there and point fingers. Like when I was writing this the past couple nights going, ugh, that's not a fun question. But last year and a half, We've done what we could. 
We've done Zoom calls, FaceTime things, all sorts of things under the sun. Sorry, it's driving me crazy because like I miss people. As an introvert, I miss people. Whoa, that's weird as an introvert to say like I miss people. I do. But where have your conversations been? Believers, where have your conversations been? I'm just as guilty of it. Because it's easy for me to get wrapped up in the conversation that's like, I hate doing this stuff. I'm tired of this. I can't believe this. Instead of going, where's the hope? Where's the words that we can speak to people that are suffering and hurting right now that we can say, you know what? I know it's hard, but you know what? I, I have this peace and can I, can I share with you what's going on? I'll just say I've been guilty of being more worried about case counts than the times I've talked to people, people about Jesus sometimes. Where have you been? I'd be willing to bet that most of us have been following the easy path of complaining, begrudging, slamming someone, mad about something, rather than giving hope. Because we let this fear set in, and then we start getting mad at someone who's not doing something else that we should, technically maybe should be doing. And you know what I mean? Like, it, it just goes into all sorts of things. I want to share the story, and, and it happened last April. I think I might have shared it with you guys before. I'm not certain. I know I shared it with some of you guys. So if I have, just bear with me and say, hey, that was great, good job, whatever. Um, and I'm not sharing this to like, like give myself a pat on the back. I, I'm telling you this because I struggle with this because I'm still struggling with the answer on this. But back when they told us, stay away from people, don't do it, we had a situation occur here at the church. And I want to, before we get into the story, I want to read you guys the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is why I struggle with this. So in Luke chapter 10, we read the story of the Good Samaritan. On, on, the, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord God. So the... the, the um, the expert in the law replies, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But this guy wanted to justify himself, so we asked Jesus, and then who is my neighbor? So Jesus, in reply, says, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers... They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged the wounds, pouring out oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, looked after him, and he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So Jesus asked, which of these three do you think a neighbor was, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replies, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay. Now, 
April 2019, our doorbell rings, and it's a couple. Man and the woman, they come on, they come to the door. This is the time when we're supposed to be away from each other. Don't talk to anyone. Stay away, stay away, stay away. Well, they're at the door. And I'm pretty good at sniffing out stories and figuring out when someone's telling me something because they want something. And here's what typically happens. If there's a couple, they'll send the wife or the girlfriend for a compassionary aspect. Oh, they won't, they won't say no to the mom of the kids. That's typically how it starts. It's unfortunate. It's just what happens. And it kind of started that way. So I was a little skeptical at first. But the man starts telling me a story about he was a pastor who ended up getting hooked on meth. And he's struggling through meth. And he's struggling to get back into spot with his daughter and he's been going through legal battles with you know his ex-wife and that and he was on the phone with his lawyer right as as he was you know him and his girlfriend were coming up to talk to me and then something happened this man broke down and started crying he just couldn't hold it anymore he was he was done he was broken Now, as I'm standing there a few feet away, because you know, we're supposed to all distance out and not be near anyone, in the back of my head I'm going, oh my gosh, she's crying, what's going to happen? I can't touch this person, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But I noticed as the conversation kept going, we kept just getting naturally closer and closer together. And then something happened. As he was crying, and as we were talking back and forth, he went like this, with his right hand, and without thinking about it, he just put his hand out to shake. And I just shook his hand. That was not COVID compliant in any way, shape, or form. And I'm telling the story, not so much to pat myself on the back, because like, I shook his hand and it helped him and his girlfriend with food, and we talked a little bit longer, prayed with them, and all that good stuff. This story of the Good Samaritan frustrated me so much because I'm starting to like, I was looking at it going, oh my gosh, are we going to be like the priest and the Levite and walking by people who need mercy and who need help all for the sake of, well, I'm just trying to help you anyway. This is the struggle I've been having for the past year and a half as a pastor going, yeah, we're supposed to be away from each other, but my calling is to be with people. And so I can't live in fear of what you might give me. And I'm not going to live in fear of what you might give me. Because for years, y'all have been sneezing and hacking on everything else anyway. Like, I get it. And I'm not trying to, like, take away the severity of what COVID-19 is. But at the same level of things, I know I'm going to die. I guess the question really is then like, how do we want to go? Do we want to answer back saying, God, I knew you had a call for my life, but 
I didn't want to do something to someone else for the potential of doing something to someone else for maybe doing something to someone else. Or do we want to say, I did everything I can to take mercy on people in the best way I could and the best balance of faith and reason and the best balance of understanding everything you know and the best of what's going on in the world and what you know about Jesus and the best balance of both of those things how do you stand up and say, I'm not going to fear this situation or whatever? As much as I struggle being around people as an introvert, <laughs> I can't deny my call to be with people. I believe there is a balance of knowledge and faith that will lead us to far better places over fear and worry. And we struggle with fears, but to cast them out means that we need to make sure our primary source of input is from God alone. So take an internal poll of how many hours a day you're allowing other outlets to speak into your life as opposed to God. What is taking the priority? I believe we're going to face challenges that seem way too big for us. And that's good. Because when we're up against these massive Jericho-like walls, we're going to see Jesus go, hold my communion wine, watch this. And he's going to take it, and he's going to run with it, and we're going to see great things happen because we're not going to be afraid to walk around the walls and, and stomp and sing and shout and praise all day long. Fear says you are alone Fear says that you can't. Fear says that you shouldn't. But a faith in God and a trust in God says that you will be a part. You are valuable. You have so much in you. You, are, you have the kingdom before you, and you can do it. So let me just say this to wrap it all up. Pentecost is coming. We're going to celebrate Pentecost. Disciples. You will do great things. You will. Do not fear. So I want to take a moment now and just Pray for that spirit of fear to leave. As a church, we have an altar here. We have steps you can be at. You can be at your chairs, wherever you need to be. If you've, if you've dealt with a lot of fear, if you let fear overrun the choices you need to be making, if you've let fear grab a hold of you for far too long or whatever way, shape, or form you want to look at fear in, if you need that moment to just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, <laughs> I want to trust you. I see what's in front of me. Bring people into my life to help me understand this. Bring an understanding to help me see through this. 
but bring me to the point of faith where I can understand that you've taken care of the birds, the fields, you run this world, you can take care of me. Jesus' life is, for lack of better terms, just tough. And, and we get scared about a lot of things. And sometimes our worry is based on good intentions where we don't want to hurt someone else, but at the same time, like we still need to live solely into what you are calling us to live. So as a church right now, God, we just want to say that we're sorry. Not just for living in fear because of virus, but living in fear in different areas of our lives where we've allowed anxiousness, our doubts, overtake joy. Or we've allowed anger to manifest because of worry. Jesus, I know like the intent and the heart of many of us here this morning would, we just want to continue being able to sing that song. Like when we've been there 10,000 years, we've known less days to sing your praise. Like we want to know and feel the assurance of Death is not the end. And your kingdom now on earth as it, is in, as it is in heaven, we are a part. And every single one of us, God, we know that we have value for that. So we ask that you speak to us. We ask that you inspire us and show us how we can bring our value into the kingdom setting of the table and say, that, yeah, I belong here. Here's what I have. <laughs> As great as it is, God, to, to know your love and compassion, we uh, just help us understand also that following you doesn't always mean comfort and ease. A lot of times it means challenges and uncertainty. But in the midst of the uncertainty, you will do great, great things. So help us to look up, look out, and see your miracles in the mundane of life. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Once again, thanks for joining us at Orange Ridge Church. If you'd like more information or to contact us, head over to orangewoodchurch.org.